Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. And we are continuing the conversation with the amazing Mindy Caliguire. Mindy, thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be with you guys. We're talking about uh, soteriology and the nature of salvation, and we have talked about uh, distinguishing between a transactional understanding of salvation over against a formational, and uh, which led us to invite Mindy to the podcast. And uh, the last podcast, we talked about spiritual formation uh, for the sake of the pastor, the pastor's own spiritual formation. And as I remember it, um, it uh, Mindy had uh, four key components. I don't know if that's how you would say it, but four key components to uh, the formation of pastors that were alliterated. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, So yeah, could we yeah, just, for the sake of continuity... Uh, would you remind us of that, those alliterated components to spiritual formation in the pastor? And then also I'm wondering, like, are we, is is it stamped? Like, are we going with place? I don't know. <laughs> I we'll find say, out we'll today, find out. right? Let's go. We'll find yes. out. I don't know at what point we, like, fully anoint the fourth part, but for the sake of today's conversation, there are absolutely four things that we are part of a framework. <laughs> I mean, framework. there's a, Good. yes, it's a framework for how to simply think about what to do to care for your own soul in the midst of uh, ministry in particular is the context we're talking about. Mm. And the framework is just simply this, a page, a person and a plan. But Mark wisely added place as the invitation to location. And so that's ha- that's the adaptation that is hot off the press and has had some conversation among our team, I will say, and is been hmm. so far, everybody's been kind of interested. So thank you, Mark. Well, a person meaning someone to talk to, right? Mm-hmm. Page, yeah, I can walk through them. A yeah, page real is quick. really the invitation yeah, the page is an invitation to reflection, really the, the non-judgmental open invitation of a journal where you start to reflect and kind of get below the surface of what's really going on and invite God into things, you know, that kind of stuff in the pages of a journal. So the page, the person is the invitation to connection. And that's really about how we all need a safe third space that's not our work and not our family that allows us to be fully open and transparent about the challenges and joys of life and leadership. And we really are really at risk to the extent to which we're isolated. And as we probably all know, many, many in vocational leadership are quite isolated. So page, person, plan is the invitation to intention. And that's really where when we start to imagine what would a future with a healthy soul actually look like and what might be some of the things that would help me in this next season be intentional about that. It's kind of like a rule of life or way of life or whatever words you want to put around it. Uh, And then place uh, is really important as well. Sometimes that could refer to like, is there a place where you're intentionally going to connect with God? But I think we were also broadening the meaning of that to how are you committed to a local community and Mm. what is the importance of place in your 
formation and being known over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Um, and, you know, I suppose uh, we may see uh, coming soon to a online course near you, uh, the inclusion of place <laughs> in addition to page, person, and plan. My, my hunch is that there are more pastors who don't have a person they talk to and mm-hmm. that they don't document their journey, their reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, my hunch is that there are more pastors that don't do those two things. Maybe, maybe they don't have a place. And I mean, how do you, how do you even come up with a plan? Um, and, and right. I mean, you're supposed to, I, I, we get the intentionality of it. So I think it, I don't know if this is true or not, um, but I think it's the inclination or the temptation of pastors to be solo operators. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this last time. We, mm-hmm. I think we're instructed not to become too vulnerable mm-hmm. with too many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we aren't um, in a community of safe people that truly knows us, mm-hmm. um, that knows our shortcomings, uh, that knows our aches, that knows our pitfalls... Mm-hmm. Um, how could we ever um, find safe ways right. to move towards healing or restoration? Because um, I don't know about you, Mark, but like I have plenty of areas in my life um, that I'm praying for healing or redeeming. Um, and I can't do that alone. Like I have to be surrounded by people that know me, um, that knows mm-hmm. those places uh, where I am vulnerable uh, for for pitfalls or shortcomings. Um, and I am surrounded by um, a group of, of women pastors. Uh, we have ongoing conversations all the time. We have a, a constant Marco Polo going all the time. Hmm. Um, and mm. it is a safe space for me to show up and be vulnerable uh, and be honest. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so I I've never journaled ever. Um I don't know that makes I don't know that that means I'm not reflective, but I've never journaled. So f- for the record, I'm I have to start journaling. I was reading another article, I don't know where, and they talked about the power of journaling and the 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 nature of journaling which allows you to get your thoughts outside yourself for more mm-hmm. clear assessment of what's actually going on. And then they talked about the therapy of just the writing. They said, don't journal typing, yes. write your journal. And I have yes. encouraged others to journal, but true confessions, I'm being vulnerable with a bunch of anonymous folk <laughs> out there. Uh, I'm, I've never, I've never done it. So you, you were a bit convicting here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, <laughs> And I think we were kind of taught a model of heroic pastor, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That um, mm-hmm. to evidence any kind of need mm-hmm. or vulnerability would be a loss of leadership capital somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so, uh, yeah, so we're alone with the Lord, I guess. Well, I, I keep going back to Mindy's comment uh, that our capacity for influence is capped at our capacity for self-reflection. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, I mean, those words have been ringing in my ears ever since you've uh, you said that, Many, In fact, I've been quoting mm-hmm. you the last few weeks to so many people. 
because it's such a powerful statement. And I know for me, uh, journaling is one of the most effective ways for me to reflect. I mean, of course, I I practice self-reflection in community. Mm -hmm. I practice self-reflection with my husband. I practice self-reflection with my therapist and with my spiritual director. Uh, But sometimes it is in journaling where I'm able to really sort it out, really Mm -hmm. able to flesh it out and make sense of things. I was actually just looking Mm -hmm. um, last night at some old journal entries that um, recent, I mean, almost a year ago when I was discerning uh, whether or not to go uh, to Good Shepherd as mm. a new pastor, and it was it was just lovely to look back at that. So thank you yeah, for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Um, well, Mark, I can so, can I tell you a fun little story from just this past week? You may. Week? Yeah, we're just chatting around. I the table. was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just doing a retreat uh, with some pastors up in the northeast, uh, where I'm actually from. And uh, one of them, when I introduced this later, got up and was sharing with the group about something else. And he said, Mindy, I have to tell you, my whole life I've never done journaling. And he said, I would start a journal and get three pages into it and then feel like a total failure eight months Mm -hmm. later when I found it. You know, that kind of stuff. And probably everybody listening has, has done that at least once. I know I have. What he has done in the last year of his life, and he said it has transformed him, is he literally, he showed us he he pulls out one page. He goes, I can't believe your metaphor says not journal, but page. He said, I just started taking one sheet of paper mm. and writing on that one sheet of paper. And that was successful journaling whenever I needed to do it. And I just go in and I literally, and it was hilarious. Like he said, I take, I take a blank sheet of computer paper usually and just fold it in half and I just write on that. And that is my... That is my page. And he mm-hmm. said it has been revolutionary. And Mark, you mentioned this idea of like sort of the psychological benefits of getting outside of your own sort of thinking. I think the one of the psychological phrases for that is that it taps into our observing ego. And usually we're just sort of in, in our own sort of mental right. model. And it takes a bit of effort to like stand above yourself and observe yourself. And when you do that, it's a very important part of reflection to understand more what's going on and why. So anyway, I just thought I would. I, you might enjoy taking one sheet of paper out and calling that your page. What's the first sentence? I'm going to journal. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. Dot, oh. dot, dot. <laughs> All right. Actually, mm-hmm. I have a, a resource on the Soul Care website. It's called a 21-day jumpstart into journaling. And it All was right. talking with some very senior leaders, megachurch pastors and professors like yourself, who were equally confessing that they don't journal. And I thought, they just need a jumpstart. They need a like a set of mm-hmm. questions. So mm-hmm. all it is is 21 days worth of reflective questions. And it actually goes through the framework of page, person, and a plan. So you have a week focused on reflection itself, a week focused on questions about connections in your life, and then a week mm-hmm. focused on your desires for the future. So I can send that to you, Sweet. Brian. I will send it to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, so... We're being spiritually formed uh, by these four practices, and we're leading churches that need spiritual formation mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. right? So how mm. do we lead a church 
to be spiritually formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the? Yeah. So let's zoom out a little bit and think about forming a people, right? Because I think, mm. you know, to a degree, we're we're all being formed. We're all being discipled. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the concerns that I have as a pastor is all of mm. the things that are forming and discipling our mm-hmm. people, right? We've got news media. Um, yes. that is discipling and maybe malforming our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have social media that is discipling and malforming our people. We could go through the very long list. And these things are um, in uh, <laughs> the imaginations and the minds and the hearts of our people every single day. And so the role of the pastor is to equip our people, right? Um, and to help mm-hmm. them um, walk on those pathways towards formation. And so so what are some of the things that you are seeing, Mindy, um, that has been effective for local churches in that process of formation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll stay in the theoretical and then I'll get to the, like, what have I seen uh, as effective? Because I yep. think that really is a very real and practical question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were we were loving on our shared love of Dallas Willard last time I, we talked, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Um, and you're familiar with his acronym of VIM, of Vision, Intention, mm-hmm. and Means. And I think one of the primary um, responsibilities and, and opportunities for pastors in helping form or invite their community into their own formation journey uh, is around that vision side. So there's two dimensions to that that I'd love to address. One is around the vision of like, what does the gospel really mean? We've been talking about soteriology. Like what what is this salvation that we've been mm-hmm. invited into? And helping people's imagination be opened to the reality of the simultaneous kingdom. Mm-hmm. Jesus announcing the gospel was that the kingdom of the heavens is at hand and anyone who wanted to come into that kingdom through him could could experience that and so that is a, a rich with imagination and vivid pictures that he gives us through the parables and so many other mechanisms to understand that there is there is this simultaneous reality that that we through Jesus are invited into okay so Having that imagination is a big part of it because you can only start, you know, people talk about the the biggest poverty in the world isn't a poverty of resource. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say this before, but mm-hmm. it's a poverty of imagination. Right. right. Maybe you've heard that as well. Right. And so a pastor has this beautiful opportunity to help people imagine mm-hmm. what is, I mean, you're not imagining it like it's a fake thing. You're helping them imagine what's real to see into that unseen realm. And then the second thing that I think we're orienting people to through the role of a pastor or a shepherd, an under-shepherd, you could say, is the the way of Jesus. How do we live the way of Jesus in daily life with social media, with you know network news, with pressing responsibilities on the home front and in career and everything else? How are we helping people follow in the 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 lived way of Jesus mm-hmm. sort of alert to and drawing our life from this kingdom of the heavens. 
Um, so I don't know if that's, you know, I, I think if per Dallas's vision <clears throat> intention means if people understand that vision, it's so compelling, mm-hmm. they'll find the means by hook or that's by right. crook. But right. I also think a pastor has the opportunity to help people understand the means. It's just we can never bring the means absent the vision. Otherwise, that's how it starts to feel like legalism. It feels very mechanical and rigid and gets goofy really fast. So right. I think I think um, that is a framework that's helpful because it taps into the main primary kind of like usually gifting of pastors. Right in communicating the message of the kingdom. I think that's really powerful, Mindy. Uh, And, you know, that's where uh, the work of of James K.A. Smith has been so helpful Mm -hmm. for me as a pastor because, again, the people that we pastor have a tell-us uh, their version of the good life, and they are ordering and orienting their lives towards that. And so, you know, for example, I pastor in a very affluent um, community mm-hmm. in the western suburbs of Chicago, and their version of the good life is um, oftentimes um, connected to what I have, uh, mm-hmm. what I've acquired. Uh, success, bricks and mortar achievements, right? Like their version of the good life is my kid has, you know, a particular um, uh, has a particular path in sports and is, you know, well adjusted in that kind of way and successful. Um, I have a, I live in a particular neighborhood and a particular community, right? And, and, and you can see it that they are really ordering their lives for that with maybe mm-hmm. some Christianity sprinkled on top, right? And I think mm, what yeah. you're getting at is we need to shepherd our people to have to to begin to shift their imagination to something so mm-hmm. much more robust, something so, so much more abundant because that um version of the good life or that tell us that our people are tilting their lives towards is so wildly anemic. And when Jesus said, mm-hmm. I, I have come that you might have life and life to the full, uh, he is imagining for us a life that we can't possibly imagine. And as you said, like one that is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God alive in us. And so thank you for that reminder that it's 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 calling people first to that vision. And I do think that mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, that the the preaching moment um, is is an incredible opportunity for that. I know for me, you know, I know Sunday mornings, it's, we can't totally disciple our people, you know, in 25, 30 minutes, but we certainly can uh, spark their imagination to imagine what's possible and what could be. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's keep bringing this a little bit, um, a little more, a little more practical. The and so we yeah, start yeah, yeah. with totally. No, no, this is good. Well, that's very practical, though. Like for our pastors listening, don't underestimate the preaching moment. Yeah, that is I for agree. sure. The preaching moment. We get, we get 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. a week to present an alternative mm-hmm. vision of yeah. of a, yep. an alternative worldview, an alternative mm-hmm. vision. And uh, the, the problem with the other good life that mm-hmm. people are living is it's not evil. Mm-hmm. It's a 
it can be a good life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it may well, be maybe dis- not outright evil. Well, you know, but not sometimes it's evil, insidious. But, the, but, but, but okay, yeah. so there's a there's a subtlety to the yeah. to the sin. It can become an idol, I suppose. It, yeah. But I mean, it's it's from all outward appearances, it looks like to be a pretty nice life to have a yes. A nice car and a nice That's home right. and kids that are well. I mean, who who wants to underestimate the power of well-adjusted kids right. who are athletic? Um, I mean, it right. it and, no, and those things aren't bad, right? It's, no, there's nothing just, intrinsically. We're bowing wrong. down to the altar of it is the problem. So 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 the the preaching moment can't be wasted. Mm-hmm. Because of the allure of the alternative good life, I right. guess that's what I'm trying to say. And in my view, the most important thing a pastor does is preach for 30 minutes. And what I have mm-hmm. said was, mm-hmm. I mean, let's say you have 200 folk in your congregation and you're preaching for 30 minutes. How long would it take you to have a 30 minute conversation with each one of those people? It would right. take a hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. there's a depth to that time that we sometimes overlook because everyone is listening to yes. that sermon. Mm-hmm. The, so not wasting that so, moment to yeah. provide that alternative vision. You Go ahead, Mindy. Go, go, go. Well, I was just going to say I heard uh, Larry Crabb many years ago uh, talk about spiritual direction and what he thought it was and you know, understanding the flesh dynamics, understanding the spirit dynamics in a particular individual, and then fanning into flame the spirit dynamics is his, I'm, I'm probably grossly, you know, minimizing, but that was part of his discussion. I drew out this whole diagram that he, he wrote, and I'll tie it back to what you were saying, Mark, is he, I, I, I drew out this whole diagram and I, I had this thought, like, what if leadership is like, organizational spiritual direction where you as a leader because of your proximity because you understand your people you know your people yes that hour or half hour whatever it is on a sunday mm-hmm. is a very highly leveraged opportunity right of important sort of real estate to influence to call out to challenge etc to teach Yes. But to do that, not on a vacuum or out of a great outline that you wrote, but out Correct. of your discernment of mm-hmm. who are, mm-hmm. that's what Tara Beth is saying, who are my people? What are mm-hmm. the, the how do I help them understand the nuance that just because mm-hmm. you drive a great car and then live in a nice house, I'm not going to judge that you're living in sin, but please do right. understand that these are the temptations that come along with that kind of a life and I promise you, everybody who drives a great car and lives in an awesome house is very well aware that that is not wherein they find mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. those are you are a, a, a beacon of hope. You are bringing hope for healing, for forgiveness, for all kinds of things uh, to that congregation. But because of your knowledge of those people, which happens outside of that Sunday morning Correct. context— you start then experiencing what I think of as like kind of organizational spiritual direction. Like what are the flesh dynamics at work in my community? What are the spirit dynamics? And that's, that's when the ministry of teaching really comes out of, of, out of relationship, out of discernment, certainly listening to what the Lord is inviting you to bring forward as a message, but understanding what are the needs and the dynamics of the people I'm serving as well. So anyway, I would say that's a whole category of teaching and 
the vision side of it. And teaching is also a great place. Like I realized there's a lot of churches. How long would you have to be at that church before you got one message on the basics of how to pray or how to read your Bible? Like we're, we're chasing importantly, different topics that are culturally relevant, et cetera. But like what, what could there be a through line of how we're constantly reinforcing these ways right. of connecting with God, no matter what the topic is? And I think that will not happen with intent without intentionality. Yeah. Like if we're just chasing after a great topic that is relevant to the moment, which is mm-hmm. important, um, but not having a, like a constant drumbeat of what is this way of following Jesus? Right. How does this topic this week relate to an assumption, a shared assumption that you guys are learning how to talk to God on your own time? You're learning how to read your Bible and f- reflect on scripture on your own time. There's like, like I found it helpful when I was working with John Orberg and we were saying, okay, what's one set of spiritual practices that I, this is how I framed it to John. I was like, if you as the teaching pastor of our church uh, would say over the course of somebody's involvement, say over five years, what practices Mm -hmm. would you want to think that that person had somehow encountered and had become part of their own rhythms of life as a result of being part of this community? And it caused us to ask and answer different questions like, all right, well, what, what, what things would I name there's a bazillion great spiritual practices, mm-hmm. but if, in discernment to our community, what are some that you'd feel sick as the teaching pastor of your mm-hmm. church to think somebody had been involved in our church and they'd never heard of these things? Like, what would those things be? So that's a fun discipline to go through as an individual pastor or a part of your team mm-hmm. and then start to say, how do we strategically make sure people are encountering Instruction, simple instruction on how to do this stuff. I, mm-hmm. I a little story here. I did a, a class. They were doing midweek classes at Willow based on reveal kind of thing. And they asked me to teach one uh, of the more advanced classes on prayer. And so I had prepared my talk and it was interactive and all these things. And I, at the beginning of the, I don't know, we had a couple hundred people in the room. And I, before I started, I just said, okay, guys, but before we start out, like, what are some of the questions you're bringing into the room about prayer? I am so glad I asked that question. I heard everything from like, I, I'm i praying the way I learned from Wayne Dyer. Who's the, who's the like total, like a bit way over the new edge edge. I don't remember what it was, but like mm-hmm. no one in that class was coming in ready to understand some sort of deep form of prayer. They had no foundation. And these people were coming in from all different lengths of tenure. This is not about Willow Creek. I've seen this so many places mm-hmm. since. Yes. They were coming at from all different places in their spiritual journey. And I can think of my own church here in Colorado. It's like, what part of a weekend service ever gets devoted to telling somebody how to sit down and be with Jesus in the pages of their Bible on their own and casts that vision so I think you hear my point. It's like you you have the opportunity there to introduce people to not only the imagination of the kingdom, but the ways of connecting to Jesus in daily life.
Thanks so much for joining us today in the podcast. I hope you're enjoying these conversations with Mindy as much as Tara Beth and I are. Now, next week, we will have our final conversation with Mindy. We'll be continuing the conversation about how we as pastors can help our churches become truly formational churches, how we as pastors may lead our people into a dynamic relationship with their Lord, or as she called it, staying alive to God. If these conversations are helpful to you, uh, we hope that you'll share an episode with a friend. Uh, We know, believe me, we know that being a pastor can be a lonely journey. And one of the reasons we do this podcast is to give you an opportunity to connect with pastors uh, around what we talk about. Also, we'd love for you to go to thepastorstable.com to fill out the form to join in the conversation. We have had so many encouraging and, frankly, challenging messages from you as you navigate the call to ministry. And to wrap up our first year on the pastor's table, we are going to be talking to some of you who have written in. We are always grateful to have you, and we pray, as you know, we pray for God's richest blessings for you as you embrace your call, which is the gift of ministry. 